Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. If you're new to New Song this morning, we are in week three of, yeah, why don't we do that real quick? Hang on. We'll give you the opportunity to crack your pops real quick. We'll all do it together. So on the count of three, we're going to crack our pops. Ready? One, two, three. Isn't that a wonderful sound? Come on, somebody. Coca-Cola should have been recording that for a commercial. So cool. But we are, we're right in the middle of a series. We're in week three of a very different kind of series that from anything that we've ever done before here at New Song. And it's really because of something that Jesus did. Because when Jesus would teach spiritual truths that we see in the New Testament often, he would use relevant modern day stories to that time to be able to help people to understand what he was teaching. So this at the movies uh, Christmas series that we're doing is essentially the same thing. That we are using these modern day stories or movies as we would call them. In the Bible, they call them parables. But we're using movies to help us to understand spiritual truths and learn some great life lessons. And this morning, I truly believe that there is something that God wants to say to every single one of us through the 1946 iconic Christmas Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. There's so many great things that we can learn from it, and we're going to dive into that in just a moment. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for the amazing and awesome honor and privilege that it is to be able to communicate your word and to bring hope to your people, Lord God. So this morning, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would speak through me and that it wouldn't be my words, but it would be yours that are penetrating the hearts and minds of everyone that you brought here today on purpose. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Christmas, as we know, it's probably one of the most hopeful times of year for many. And it really doesn't matter how old or how young you are, right? I think all of us have some level of expectation, some level of excitement that we're gonna have special times with family, that maybe there's gonna be something special under the tree for one of us. We have hopes. And yet, we would be amiss to forget and ignore the fact that there are so many that Christmas is also a battle against hopelessness. And I don't really understand why it happens like this, but it seems like all the problems that we have throughout the year, and I think if we're honest, we all have problems, amen? I am not exempt from that. Got plenty of problems. But all the problems that we have throughout the year seem to so many times be highlighted as we go through the Christmas season. And for many, that's the case. And that's really what today's movie is all about, that it's a story about broken dreams. It's a story about someone that's lost hope. And if you're not familiar with the film, this is a story about a guy named George Bailey, the second generation owner of a small family-run bank in a town called Bedford Falls. It's Christmas Eve, 1946, and George, who has long considered himself a failure, now faces financial ruin 
and possible criminal charges after his uncle Billy misplaces a large sum of bank deposit. And this terrible circumstance has George feeling hopeless and actually has him considering taking his own life. But high above Bedford Falls, two angels hear his townspeople's prayers and they ultimately decide to send down a bumbling angel named Clarence Oddbody, who after 200 years has yet to earn his wings. Let's go ahead and watch this clip together. You sent for me, sir? Yes, Clarence. A man down on earth needs our help. Splendid. Is he sick? No, worse. He's discouraged. At exactly 10.45 p.m. Earth time, that man will be thinking seriously of throwing away God's greatest gift. Oh, dear, dear, his life. Then I've only an hour to dress. What are they wearing now? You will spend that hour getting acquainted with George Bailey. Sir, if I should accomplish this mission, I mean, uh, might I perhaps win my wings? I've been waiting for over 200 years now, sir, and people are beginning to talk. What's that book you've got there? Oh, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Clarence, you do a good job with George Bailey, and you'll get your wings. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Poor George. Sit down. Sit down? What do we... If you're going to help a man, you want to know something about him, don't you? Well, naturally, of course. Well, I... keep your eyes open. One of my favorite lines in the entire movie is in that clip. I love when the superior angel says to Clarence, you've got to help this guy, George Bailey. And Clarence says, what is it? Is he sick? And then the answer that he gives is amazing. He says, no, it's worse than that. He's discouraged. Isn't there so much truth in that statement, New Song? I mean, how often do we see where uh, discouragement and a lack of hope can actually be worse than a physical illness? I know the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And maybe that's where you're at this morning as you came in this morning. Maybe you had a dream. You had a hope for something, but it didn't happen, and it's made your heart sick. And now you find yourself in a dark place. I know this is something, it's a heavy topic, but it's something that I really felt like God pressed upon my heart that needed to be shared. Because I'm telling you, we've gone through it as a church, as a community, as a youth group. It wasn't but just several weeks ago that I found myself in the emergency room because one of our youth felt like they needed to end their life. Now, by the grace of God, it was unsuccessful, and she has since seen the hope that there is in Jesus and has completely had a change of mind and change of heart. But we see it all too much. The statistics are unbelievable. And one of the main symptoms that we see of hopelessness is almost always disorientation. It's that you lose sight of where you are and where you're going. And it's like being lost and you don't know where you are or what to do. Have you ever been, maybe as a kid, I know this happened to me often. I don't know why. 
But I would be at Walmart with my family as a young child. And I loved, for whatever reason, anytime we were in a department store or Walmart, I loved to hide in the clothes racks. Like that was my thing. I would hide. Man, I'm going to freak my parents out. They're going to think I'm gone. But then what would happen? Then I would get scared because I don't see mom and dad. And you're walking down the aisles. Nope, not there. Nope, not there. Oh, dear, what's going to happen? And you start to get scared and you get disoriented. And you don't know where you are. Oh, where's mom and dad? I have no idea. You start to lose your way. I remember that often. And in the Bible, there was a guy named Job. And he got into a hopeless situation too. And in Job 17, verse 15, it actually says, this is Job speaking. He says, where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? You ever feel that way? That you're in this hopeless situation that you can't seem to see your way out of, but every single person around you seems to see a way out for you. But yet you, you find yourself trapped in that hopelessness. And if you leave that unresolved and unattended to, another symptom creeps in. It comes into play, and that symptom is the symptom of drifting. You drift away. I don't know if you know this, but you know we're all in motion when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. We're never sitting still. If you think you're sitting still, you're believing a lie. We're either moving closer in our relationship with the Lord or we're moving farther away, but we're not sitting still. And so many times when somebody finds themselves in a hopeless situation and they're disoriented and the next thing you know, they don't want to reach out to anybody. They just kind of want to stay to themselves because they're being told, they're, they're, they're believing a lie that isolation is the answer. And then they find themselves drifting. They're wandering away from home, away from their values, and even away from God. And that's what happened to George in this film. You'll notice he doesn't run to his family. He runs from his family when he needed him most. We see so many do the same thing in life. Some of you have done that with God that your situation or your circumstance has caused you to wander from home, to wander from your relationship with the Lord, to wander from your relationship with family. The Bible says it like this in Isaiah 53. It says, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our, to follow our own. What a scary thing that is when we leave the path that God has for us and start to blaze our own trail. Almost no good can come of us blazing our own trail and leaving God and his ways behind. So in hopelessness, we see disorientation and then drifting. And, and then if, if still left unresolved and undealt with, it continues to get worse and then it leads to somewhere where maybe some of you in this room are this morning. And that's despair. And the scary thing about despair is that's when so many people give up. They get to a point of despair, the ultimate in hopelessness, and they give up. Now, if you find yourself there this morning, I want you to not be afraid. 
Because there's hope. You have hope. And even the great Apostle Paul experienced despair. We read about it in a very transparent part of the letter that he wrote to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 9, where he said, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. How many think it's important to know that their leaders go through trouble as well? Transparency is so key. And I love his transparency in this. He's saying, man, we went through it in Asia. And he said, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. Have you ever felt that way? That you, you were just crushed in the moment? You were crushed by despair and you didn't know what it was gonna look like on the other side? He says, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. Love this. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. You can hear it in his writing early on there. He's in despair. He's worked up. He wants to quit. Apostle Paul was done at that point. That, that experience in Asia, he, he was, he's like, man, we expected to die. Man, I didn't know how we'd get through it. We were in despair. And then I love at the end there when he said, but through that, we learned to trust in God. New song, maybe, have you ever thought about this? Maybe God is taking you in your in your circumstance, in your situation. He's allowing it to get beyond your control and beyond what you think you can endure so that you can get away from relying on your own power and that you would start to trust in God's power. I'm telling you, the moment that we are willing to put ourselves aside and, and, and to stop thinking that we're strong enough to get through it and we start relying on the Lord, man, are we gonna see some hope? Are we gonna see our lives turned around? And I really believe that there's somebody in this room this might be one of those messages that it's not for everybody, but I can guarantee you it's for somebody. And there's somebody in this room right now that needs to know that the Lord is saying that your hope can be restored and you can get out of this dark place. You don't have to reside there. There's hope in Jesus. And it took Clarence in this movie to help George realize that even though life didn't play out exactly as he had planned, he actually had a wonderful life. And did you put the envelope in your pocket? Yeah, no, right. no, maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe, uh, maybe. I don't want any. Maybe we've got to find that money. I've no good deal. Uncle Billy, look. I, do you realize what's going to happen if we don't find it? Listen to me. Do you have any secret hiding place here in the house? Some place you would, some place you hide the money. I've come over the whole house, even in rooms that have been locked since I lost Laura. Listen, listen to me. Thank, thank. I can't think anymore, George. I can't think anymore. It hurts. Where's that money, you silly, stupid old fool? Where's that money? Do you realize what this means? It means bankruptcy and scandal and prison. That's what it means. One of us is going to jail. Well, it's not going to be me.
Now look what you did. My great-grandfather planted this tree. Hey, you! Hey, you! Come back here, drunken fool! Get this car out of here! Hey, what's the matter with you? Look where you're going! You love that movie. Come on, they don't make up like that anymore. Love it. So how many people that have found themselves in a hopeless situation, maybe similar to George's or maybe different, have convinced themselves at one time or another that the world would be a better place without them in it? And tragically, in America alone, this blew me away. Over 40,000 people by the end of this year will have taken their own life. That's twice the murder rate. In young adults, 15 to 25, it's the number one killer over anything else. This is serious. And I really believe that, that God wanted me to communicate to this body of believers this morning that suicide is not a solution. It's not a solution. It's a very permanent decision based on a temporary circumstance. And in fact, I truly believe that most people really don't want to end their lives. They just want to end their pain. And I need for someone in this room to know that you don't have to end your life to end your pain. There is hope. No emotion, good or bad, will last forever. You are valuable to God. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. There are literally people in this world and in this community that are relying on you to live out your purpose. You're gonna make a difference. God has a plan for you to make a difference. We read in scripture where it talks about in Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a life. Make a difference. You can't make a difference if you're not here to do it. So know that you have hope. And in this next clip that we're going to see, George gets a wonderful gift that as a pastor, I wish every one of you could get. And it's the gift of perspective. 
He's able to see a different perspective. George gets to see what the world would look like if he had never been born. He gets to see all the lives that he touched and the difference that he made even when he didn't know he was making a difference. I think about us. I I think about the opportunities that we have here at the church to be a part of a dream team, to go out and do outreach in the community. It might seem like something small, but it could change somebody's eternity. I think it's amazing. I mean, we, we've had some really neat stories that's come from those cards that we have out there with our invite cards. The ones that say a little something extra to let you know God loves you. There's been so many awesome stories of people that maybe they've bought breakfast or something at McDonald's or a coffee, and they just said, hey, go ahead and put the person behind me on my ticket as well. And and then they say, hey, but give them this card. And then just some of the neat emails and stuff that roll in of like, hey, I don't know what you guys are doing out of New Song, but keep it going because this really blessed my life today. This is exactly what I needed in the right moment. You see, little acts of kindness, little like living out your purpose moments can be huge in other people's lives. You never know how big of a difference you're making. Watch this next clip. Yeah, so you still think killing yourself would make everyone feel happier, eh? Oh, I don't know. I guess you're right. I suppose it would have been better if I'd never been born at all. What'd you say? I said I wish I'd never been born. Oh, you mustn't say things like that. You... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's an idea. What do you think? Yeah, that'll do it. All right. You've got your wish. You've never been born. You don't have to make all that fuss about it. What'd you say? You've never been born. You don't exist. You haven't a care in the world. No worries, no obligations, no $8,000 to get. Look, who are you? I told you, George, I'm your guardian angel. Yeah, yeah, I know. You told me that. What else are you? What are you? You a hypnotist? No, of course not. Well, then why am I seeing all these strange things? Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Well, if I wasn't born, who am I? You're nobody. You have no identity. Oh, what do you mean, no identity? My name's George Bailey. There is no George Bailey. You have no papers, no cards, no driver's license, no 4F card, no insurance policy. They're not there either. What? Zuzu's petals. You've been given a great gift, George. A chance to see what the world would be like without you. Mother, this, this is George. I, 
I thought sure you'd remember me. George who? If you're looking for a room, there's no vacancy. Please help me. Something terrible's happened to me. I, I, I don't know what it is. Something's happened to everybody. Please let me come in and, and, and keep me here until I get over it. Get over what? I don't take in strangers unless they're sent here by somebody I know. Well, well I know everybody you know. What, you, your brother-in-law, Uncle Billy. You know him? Well, sure I do. When did you see him last? Today, over at his house. It's a lie. He's been in the insane asylum ever since he lost his business. And if you ask me, that's where you belong. Strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. And when he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? I've heard of things like this. You've got me in some kind of a spell or something. Well, I'm going to get out of it. I'll get out of it. And I know how, too. I... The last man I talked to before all this stuff started happening to me was Martini. You know where he lives? Well, sure I know where he lives. He lives in Bailey Park. Are you sure this is Bailey Park? No, I'm not sure of anything anymore. All I know is this should be Bailey Park. But where are the houses? You are here to build them. Your brother, Harry Bailey, broke through the ice and was drowned at the age of nine. That's a lie. Harry Bailey went to war. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. You see, George, you really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? Clarence! Clarence! Help me, Clarence! Get me back! Get me back! I don't care what happens to me! Get me back to my wife and kids! Help me, Clarence, please. Please. I want to live again. I want to live again. I want to live again. Please, God, let me live again. Sometimes the only way to get out of that dark place is to be able to change your perspective. Start seeing things from God's perspective instead of your own. But in order to change our perspective to God's perspective... We're going to have to do exactly what George did on that bridge, and that's cry out to God in prayer. In Psalm 106, verse 44, it says this. He took note of their distress when he heard their cry. We have to call out to God in prayer, but listen, there's a disclaimer on that. Because when you, when you call out to God in prayer, you might not get the exact answer that you are looking for. Because God has a perspective on your life and your situation that's different from yours. And let me let you in on something. His is the right one. It might look different. It might play out completely different than the way that you plan it. His perspective is the right one. And you know how we know that we serve such an awesome, loving God? 
is that you know what he'll do for us in the meantime, before we will actually start to see things from his perspective? He'll give us hope. He's given us three different ways that the Bible talks about how God gives us hope here on earth. The first way is his presence. God's presence gives us hope, right? Just being here in God's presence this morning together as a body of believers, worshiping, it was able to help give us hope even through some bad news. We're able to experience that presence of God when we enter into worship, when we spend time in prayer. One of the ways that he gives us hope. The other is through God's promise. Talking about the word of God, the Bible. When we dive into scripture, when we make it an important part of our life, we're able to experience hope through those things that we're reading, through his word. I mean, I'm sure almost everybody in this building at, at some point, you've been diving into scripture. Maybe even you're just kind of in a moment of disorientation or maybe it's got to the point of despair and you dive into scripture and you find the perfect verse. It's exactly what you needed to read, exactly what you needed in that moment at that time. Maybe you've been in your car listening to K-Love or something like that, and just the right song, just the right piece of worship came on to give you hope in a time when you needed hope. And then the third one is God's purpose, the purpose that he has on our life. One of the greatest sources of hope is knowing that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I know there's some of you going, okay, well, Pastor Josh, how do, I, how do I discover my purpose? How am I gonna find out? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm telling you, here at New Song, starting in January, if you would give us two weeks, give us two Sundays, we've got to revamp next steps is what we call it. Taking it from four weeks down to two, and I'm telling you, in two weeks, if you'll just give us two, Week one, we're going to share the background and the vision of this church. In week two, we're going to be able to give you that vision and let you go run with it. Start plugging in and get serving and making a difference in people's lives. Because I'm telling you, if you find yourself, if you discover your purpose, you will experience hope again. You might feel like you're in a hopeless situation, but if you'll put others first and be willing to put yourself on the back burner, you will experience hope again. And in this closing scene, George Bailey is about to discover that life wasn't as bad as he thought it was. It wasn't hopeless, and he surely was not alone. Let's watch it together. Yeah! Happy New Year to you! 
In jail. Go on home. They're waiting for you. <laughs> instructed to advance you up to $25,000. Stop. Oh. Hee-haw and Merry Christmas, Sam Wainwright. Big brother George, the richest man in town. 
Christmas present from a very dear friend of mine. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. That's right. boy, Clarence. love at the beginning of that iconic clip, how we get to see how George's entire attitude and demeanor changed towards things that might have been driving him nuts. He comes home and obviously that stress and strain that's on him because he very well could be arrested and taken to jail. He just sees, hey, man, whatever. I, I might get arrested. So be it. I'm here. I have this life. I have my family. It's no big deal. I think about Apostle Paul again in that moment. And you know in Scripture there that time when he's in this rough spot and chances are he's about to lose his life and, and his head. And yet he, he presents to them, he says, you know, and this is Pastor Josh's paraphrase, you know, yeah, you might kill me, then I get to go be with Jesus. And you might spare me, and then I get to go preach Jesus. So really, it's a win-win for me. It's because he had the right perspective. Just like we see George here, all of a sudden he had this new perspective on his life. And I know there's some of you out there that maybe you're seeing that, and maybe you were moved, but yet you're still saying, you know what though, pastor? That's not the way it works for me. No, that only works in the movies. And I tell you, you're right. Not everything has a Hollywood ending. But that's why God's given us this last source of hope. I told you about the first three that he gave us for here on earth. He gave us his presence. He gave us his promise. And he gave us his purpose. That's for here on earth. But the ultimate source that he is... The ultimate source of hope takes care of earth and beyond. And that's God's place. Talking about heaven. What a great example today of the hope that we have in heaven. That we're able to sit here and we've lost a brother. We've lost a spiritual father. And our hearts ache. But yet we're still able to rejoice because of the hope we have in heaven. New songs, you ever notice something? In scripture, when Jesus would encourage someone, he would never promise them a better now. But he would always promise them a better place. It was never a promise of a better life right now. It was always a promise of, hey, hang in there. There's something better coming. And for us, we know we have that hope in heaven. So the really important question this morning in this room is how do we make sure we don't miss out on heaven? We might be going through it here on earth and there's hope in Jesus, but how do we make sure we don't miss out on the ultimate prize in heaven? 
And I want you to know that that answer came a little over 2,000 years ago in the form of a baby born in Bethlehem. God sent his son to earth in one of the darkest times in history to bring a message to all of us that are in a dark place. That you don't have to pay for your own sins. You don't have to be, nor can you be, your own savior. Your hope this year and for the years to come can come directly from the source of hope, and his name is Jesus. Would you stand with me, new song? I really believe that the Lord gave me that message this morning on purpose. That it might not have been for everybody in the room, but I truly believe it was for somebody in this room. And guess what? Our God loves us enough that he'll leave the 99 for the one. He put this whole service on, bring everybody here. The dream team, the popcorn, it doesn't matter. He'd bring them all here for you. So if that's you and you find yourself in despair this morning in need of hope, he did this all for you. All you have to do now is accept it. So with every eye closed, head bowed, this is a private moment between you, me, and God. You're going to have an opportunity to go public through water baptism later on. But I want to ask you, if that's you, if you say, Pastor Josh, man, I'm sick and tired of trying to live this life on my own. Man, I need to make today, this morning, the time that I finally surrender to Jesus and make him number one in my life. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? Would you have that boldness? That's awesome. I see those hands. Is there anybody else? So amazing. You can go ahead and place your hand down. And now since we're among family, and this is just me and you and God right now, who would be honest enough and bold enough to say, Pastor, I've been struggling this holiday season. I've been struggling this Christmas. I've been struggling this whole year, and I have kind of found myself going through that disorientation and that drifting away, and now I find myself touching on despair, and I need hope this morning. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? Hands going up all over. You can put your hand down. I want you to know that you have hope in Jesus this morning. He's going to see you through it. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And I'm encouraging each and every one of you. Man, starting in January, give us two weeks. Go through next steps. We're going to get you plugged in. You're going to get making a difference in this community and in people's lives. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm sorry for doing this life on my own. And this morning, Lord, I accept you as my Savior. Lord, I confess that you are the Son of God. You died on the cross for me and my sins. You were raised again three days later and ascended to the right hand of the Father, proving that you were exactly who you said you were. And Lord, I invite you in. Holy Spirit, change me from the inside out so that I could faithfully and boldly live for you from this day forward.
And Lord, I pray for those that raised their hand that said, man, I am in despair. I, I have really been struggling. I've been depressed. I've been anxious. Lord, I pray that you would come to them right now in this moment. Lord, that you would touch them. Lord, that they would know that you have given them hope. Lord, you've given them your promise. You've given them your presence. You've given them your word. So Lord, I pray that today is the last day that they struggle. And Lord, the moment they walk out of these doors, they're different and they're gonna start thriving and not just surviving. In Jesus' name we pray as we all worship, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.